all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family. From mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions, whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we are going to be talking about ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Um, It is a very common disorder that we see in a lot of our kids and teens. We also see it some into adulthood as well. Um, There's a lot of... uh, I wouldn't say controversy, but there's definitely a lot of talk about ADHD um, amongst parents and family members because there definitely is probably some overdiagnosis of ADHD, but there's also some underdiagnosis of ADHD. There's a lot of kids out there that probably have never been diagnosed with it um, and are suffering from it. And so today I thought it would be a a good time to talk about it. I, I don't know why I feel like in the past few weeks we've just seen a ton of recent diagnosis of ADHD in clinic. Um, I don't know if it's because more parents are becoming aware of it and um, or maybe more teachers are having more open discussions about it. But I just feel like we've been we've been seeing a lot of concerning symptoms in uh, in clinic and actually have act- diagnosed several kids here over the past few weeks. So Um, But if you have any questions or comments, as always, we would love to hear from you. So you can always send an email as well to kids at mpbonline.org. So ADHD is is one of those things that's been around for a long time. It's just not necessarily we have been able to um, identify it or we didn't really have a diagnosis for it or a way to treat it. Uh, My dad always jokes he was probably the poster child for what ADHD was uh, back growing up in the 60s. it just wasn't like a thing. You just didn't die. We just didn't have that as a diagnosis. We didn't have treatments for it. And so now we're able to better recognize it. We're able to better diagnose it, um, treat it. We have lots of different classroom modifications and behavioral therapies that we can do as well. Um, and we're giving our ch- children opportunities to succeed. So a lot of these kids may not have always had the chance to succeed in school. Um, because they weren't able to focus and their grades suffered because of it, or they weren't able to sit still to learn. And again, their grades suffered from it. And so now we're able to better equip our kids um, and treat the ADHD and to help them be more successful in their in their lives. I see a fair amount of adults still on ADHD medications too. Um, I mean, definitely not as much as children. Um, A lot of our adults who have been diagnosed with ADHD as kids are often able 
to learn how to kind of cope and manage their symptoms without necessarily having to take any medications anymore, um, particularly the, the inattentive type. Um, but some still have to take medications even into adulthood. And so we definitely have several adults as well um, who are on, that, on those medications. Just a few uh, statistics about ADHD, just to know just how prevalent it is. So uh, let's see, this is looking at data from 2016 to 2019, uh, but it's about 6 million kids ages 3 to 17 have been diagnosed with ADHD. Now, that does not mean every one of those children are on medication. This just means at some point over their lifetime they've been diagnosed. Um, from 3 to 5 years old, it's only about 265,000. From 6 to 11 years old, it's about 2.4 million. And in the age range 12 to 17, it's 3.3 million. So definitely lots and lots of uh, kids out there suffering with this. We typically see it a little bit more in boys, um, about three times more likely to happen in a boy than a girl. Um, but that is, you know, it can happen in boys and girls. It's just we tend to see more in boys, particularly when it comes to the hyperactivity, impulsivity aspect of ADHD, which we'll talk about the different types of that. Um, so, again, we see a lot more. Truly, you need to diagnose ADHD. You need them to be at least four years old. Now, granted, there are definitely some certain circumstances, and uh, Dr. Buttress probably could go into that a little bit more because she is uh, a developmental pediatrician, and, you know, this is kind of her specialty is uh diagnosing and treating ADHD. Um, so she would see some of our kids who are under four years old um, who may have some other things going on as well besides ADHD. But typically as a general pediatrician, we try to wait until they're at least in kindergarten before we diagnose ADHD. Because a lot of the symptoms that can happen with ADHD are just normal childhood uh, behavior. You know, not being able to sit down and focus. We don't expect a three-year-old to be able to sit down and focus much. Um, you know, they don't really have a lot of things that they're doing that are requiring their attention. So once you get into kindergarten and you're in a more regimented school program, a lot of times that's when we truly are able to kind of see, is this just normal behavior or is this going to be a problematic behavior? And so typically a pediatrician is not really going to diagnose it until they're at least four or five years old. So that's why you don't see as many cases. Um, when I was reading those out, you don't see as many cases under age five. And that's just because we don't have a great way to diagnose it in that age. Um, but if there are significant problems that are causing problems with preschool and daycares, then a lot of times we'll send them over to our specialist, like Dr. Buttress, um, you know, who hosts the Tuesday show. She is one of the developmental pediatricians Unfortunately, we just don't have a lot of those resources out there. Um, so, uh, but our K clinic is who we use at UMC, um, and there's some other places throughout the state as well. Uh, but we will use our colleagues for that to help us kind of sort through what's going on if they're under four. Um, so, what is ADHD exactly? So, you probably heard the term. We used to just call it ADD for the inattention side, attention deficit. And then you had the ADHD, which was the hyperactivity part too. Now we've kind of done away with just the diagnosis of ADD or the attention deficit, and it's all just combined to ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. 
but you have different types. So you have the inattentive type, you have the hyperactive and impulsive type, or you can have the combined inattentive, hyperactive, and impulsive types. So there's three main branches that we do. So just the inattentive, just the hyperactive, or the combined. I would say majority of our patients are going to be combined. Um, I think with girls, um, I don't have that statistic right in front of me, but I want to say I remember seeing that, that typically girls tend to be more inattentive type as opposed to boys who typically tend to be the combined or the hyperactive impulsive type, um, which, I mean, I guess kind of makes sense. If you've raised kids or you've worked in a classroom with kids, that's typically what you would see. Um, <clears throat> but again, I don't have those numbers, but I know I've, I've read that at some point in time. Um, but essentially, ADHD is a developmental disorder. It affects the behavior, it affects their attention span, and it can ultimately affect the learning of our children. And so that's why we have such a, while wow, we're so focused on it, um, and in, like I said, now we have so many treatments and different behavioral modifications that we know are so effective at helping our kids ultimately um, succeed and prevent them from having any difficulty learning like previous, you know, when they were growing up. Um, it is can be pretty easy to diagnose, I will say. I would say it's not the hardest thing to diagnose. There's definitely, once you get to a certain age, we have a lot of different criteria that we use for it. Um, and I'm going to go through some of that because a lot of times people will just want to label ADHD. Um, but just because you're having trouble with them at the house or just because they're having trouble at school, you actually have to have problems in both set in more than one setting um, because if not then it could just be you need to do some different modifications at your house or modifications at school um, so we have some strict criteria when it comes to how we diagnose it and again I'm gonna go into that a little bit um, but essentially what we're looking for is we can ba do it just based off a questionnaire um, between the teachers and the parents, and we can kind of see from there if we need to do more formal testing. I typically always recommend more formal testing in my patients because we know that there's so many um, concomitant learning disorders that go along with ADHD. And I always tell my parents that I don't want to just label them ADHD if they actually have an underlying, you know, learning disorder, too. Uh, because if that's the case, then we can give all the medications that, you know, we have. But if we're not treating the underlying learning disorder, then that's just causing more problems. And we're not actually giving our ch children the tools to succeed like we want to. So I typically always recommend formal testing. Um but you don't necessarily have to have formal testing because we can diagnose ADHD based off just questionnaires um, and symptoms. Um, and again, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. The other thing about the guidelines is we, we say that they have to be present for at least six months and really prefer them to be present before age seven. Um, depends on where you look. Some places say before age 12, too. Um, but at least by age 12, you want them to have symptoms or showing signs and symptoms of it before we diagnose it so so we're going to break it down a little bit like the different types you know I told you there's three different types you have the inattentive you have the hyperactive and then you have the combined and so we're going to talk about those three different types and then I'm going to go into a little bit more about how to diagnose it so what do you do as a parent or grandparent if you have concerns that your kid or your grandkid could have ADHD um, and what you can do to reach out to your doctor to help diagnose it? 
This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We're talking today about ADHD, and which is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Um, and we're going to talk about now kind of what some of the symptoms are and what do you do if you think maybe your child or grandchild has ADHD. Uh, but as always, we're taking your calls. And if you have any questions about ADHD or any medical condition in general, send us an email as well to kids at MPB online. So, um, like we talked about, there's the inattentive branch, there's the hyperactive impulsive branch, and then there's the combined one. Typically, we're going to see most of our kids are going to be combined, especially in our boy patients, which I said, boys typically outnumber girls three to one when we're diagnosing ADHD. Um, So typically, that's how you're going to kind of see it. The girls more inattentive, boys more hyperactive or combined. Um, And so what am I meaning when I say inattentive? So again, all kids especially our younger kids in kindergarten, have a little bit of difficulty focusing. But most of the time, you're going to be able to redirect your kids. Um, In kids with ADHD, particularly the ones that struggle with the inattention, they're going to have a really hard time paying attention. They're often going to daydream. They're often going to seem to where they just aren't listening to you. Um, They are easily distracted, so you can go tell them to go do a task, and then five minutes later, you go to follow up and check on them, like, where are they? Why aren't they back yet? And they're doing something totally different. Um, Like, one of the examples is, like, uh, you tell them to go to their room and get their shoes on. And then you walk in their room, and they're, like, playing with something, or they found some kind of activity that they're doing. And they've just totally derailed from the main reason they went in there. Again, that still happens to me as an adult right now. Um, You know, so it it can happen to an extent, but this is when it becomes more of a problem. So this is not just like a, oh, we get distracted easily and it happens every so often. This is more of like it's happening every single day. It's starting to interfere with how we do our daily living, how she functions at school, that type of thing. That's how you tell the difference. So. Um, So, like I said, having a hard time paying attention, seem to daydream, they're easily distracted, a lot of times just kind of disorganized because, again, they can't seem to stay on task, often forget things, lose things. Um, That's another thing we see a lot of um, parents complain about, like, I have to constantly, they've lost this, 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 you know, we're constantly having to replace everything because they're just always losing stuff. So that's kind of typically what you would think about for the inattentive kid with ADHD. And then you have the hyperactive and the impulsive. Um, Hyperactive, I guess, just kind of goes without saying, you know, the kids can't sit still. They're talking all the time, squirming, fidgeting, running, jumping, uh, climbing on things. Just can't get them to sit still and do what they need to do, the task at hand. The impulsivity is one that I guess a lot of when you when you hear the symptoms of it, you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. But it's one that you don't always necessarily think about. But these are the kids that constantly are blurting out, speaking out of turn, um, like run out into the road. You know, if you're standing there trying to cross the road with your kids and you've talked about how we have to wait until there's no traffic and then the kid just like you know, darts out into the road, um, has difficulty waiting, can't like just wait for the teacher to call on them, has to blurt out the answer. That's kind of more of that impulsive. Um, I've seen kids with really bad ADHD, like 
make just really poor decisions. Like um, one found a, a gun and actually shot his hand, <laughs> you know, just like just very not not thinking through things you know they just like the minute they think it they do it and obviously that's a very extreme example but you know that's the kind of stuff that can happen with severe cases um, of ADHD so we can we ask our questions like and diagnose based off of these different criteria based off of these different symptoms whether they're impulsive hyperactive um, or inattentive um, and we have different questions that go with each one. And we can base, we can help figure out the diagnosis based off of that. So what do you do if you think some of these symptoms can be hap- or happening in your, children, your child? So first off, like I said, we have to, to diagnose ADHD. It has to be in two different settings. So we would typically see it in the house, and we would also see it at school. Um, so the first thing I would do is, number one, talk to other people in the house with you. You know, like talk to your spouse, talk to your parents, um, grandparents who are taking care, also help take care of the kids. You know, see if they've noticed some of these traits, too, um, because it could be, you know, a lot of kids, it's just discipline, um, you know, trying to, they act better for other people than they do for other, you know, certain people than they do for others. Or maybe it's that the grandparents have come to you and said, we see this problem, but you don't have that problem with the kid. It could be that we need to kind of go over some more discipline rules with grandparents. Same thing with schools. So like maybe the school's having some issues, but you don't have any issues at home. Well, let's talk about what's happening at school. Maybe he needs, um, a few stricter things like sitting closer to the teacher or maybe they need a little bit more time on their tests, you know, whatever it may be. It's got to happen in two different settings. So if you're not having problems at home but they're having problems at school, then we need to figure out what's going on at school to cause these problems. If they're not having problems at school but they're having problems at home, we need to reevaluate what's happening at home. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, So talk to other people that are living in the house with you. See if they've noticed the issues. And then reach out to the teacher. I come from a family of teachers, um, and uh, one of which teaches kindergarten. And so this is like kindergarten's a prime time to diagnose ADHD, I feel like, Um, or at least where you're going to start spotting some of the symptoms of it. And teachers really aren't supposed to reach out to the parents about this after talking to my sister um, and hearing some of her stories. Now, you can definitely, when you have your parent-teacher meeting, if the if the parent asks questions about it, or maybe the teacher can tell some of the concerns, but a teacher cannot come out right and say, I think your kid may have ADHD. Uh, so that's just something to know that you need to make sure if it's something you're concerned about, you want to reach out to that teacher because most of the teachers aren't going to reach out to you just for liability and privacy purposes. Um, <clears throat> they're not always going to just tell you, hey, I think your kid could have ADHD. So you want to make sure that you're following up and you're reaching out to your teacher, uh, your kid's teacher about this to see if there's something that they have noticed. Um, and then, you know, if they have, if, if you ask, they can tell you certain things. Um, but they're not just going to come out right and say that. Just FYI, that's kind of one of the things that I don't think most parents realize because they'll say, well, their teacher hasn't told me anything. Well, the teacher's really probably not going to reach out to you um, unless you ask. So just another reason to make sure that you're staying involved and talking with your kid's teacher um, too.
So again, most of the time it's going to come around kindergarten is probably when you're going to start seeing signs. Um, And a lot of times parents want to just kind of wait it out in kindergarten, and I totally get that. Uh, And then when they get to first grade, it gets a little bit more structured and a little bit more challenging. And then if they truly have ADHD, you're going to really start seeing some symptoms around that time, first and second grade, when they're getting the more challenges you have to get, the more structure they have to sit through. You'll, if they truly have ADHD, you're going to see that start to come out in those early elementary classes. So, so what do you do? Again, like I said, talk to people in the family members, talk to the teacher, and everybody says, hey, I've noticed this too. So then the next thing I would recommend doing is to talk to your pediatrician. So there's several different things that the pediatrician can do um, once they find out. <coughs> So they're probably going to ask you a bunch of questions. Um, They're going to try to get some of the symptoms, see what's actually happening, make sure that there's nothing else concerning with the history. Um, And so some of the other things concerning with the history would be there is like, there is this condition called absent seizures. Um, I don't know if maybe anybody listening out there has ever had any kids with that. But essentially what kids do with absent seizures is they just like, float off into a different world for a few seconds and then they're back Um, and so they don't really change they don't it's not like a big seizure where they actually shake Um, sometimes they don't even like blink their eyes you know it's nothing really they just kind of like go off for a few seconds and then they're back but it happens repetitively so a lot of these kids get diagnosed with ADHD and inattention when really they have something else going on. They're actually having a seizure and their brain's kind of turning off for a few seconds and then it comes back on. So it's not like they're not paying attention on, you know, with ADHD. It's because they're having an actual seizure. So that's something that we always try to weed out and we want to make sure that there's nothing concerning based off of the history of that. So that's something to think about. Um, Sleep apnea is another thing that can make our kids have difficulty concentrating. So that may be some more questions that the pediatrician is going to ask you is, does your kid snore? Um, Are they very tired during the day? Have you ever walked in and, like, watched them sleep and noticed that they maybe take some pauses when they breathe? Uh, Because sleep apnea especially in our kids, if they've got really big tonsils and adenoids, it can make them have sleep apnea so much so that they're tired during the day and it's they're having difficulty focusing just because how sleepy they are. If you're an adult out there who's been diagnosed with ADHD, you know what I mean. You're so exhausted the next day that we have patients that fall asleep at stoplights, you know. So think about our kids having to sit through school and trying to stay focused when they're just exhausted from sleep apnea. Um, very rarely, I guess, if you had like a strong family history and some other symptoms, you could think about things like thyroid disorder, um, migraine headaches. That's another thing sometimes I guess kids can kind of wander off with um, just because of some of the symptoms that they have. But the two biggest things that we think about are like absent seizures and sleep apnea. You want to make sure that those are things that you're not missing. So you definitely want to go to your pediatrician, make sure they don't see any reason to have a medical concern with some of the symptoms that you're having. And if there isn't, then typically what we do is like we hand out those questionnaires that I was talking about. Um, The ones that we use, and I feel like majority of pediatricians use, are called the Vanderbilt screening forms. And essentially it it has a bunch of questions. It's a tube 
It's a front and back sheet of paper. Um, one we give to the parents, one we give to the teachers, and we let them fill it out. Um, and we bring it back. And hopefully the teacher, you know, doesn't look at the parents and the parents don't look at the teacher. We want these done individually. Um, and then we can look and based off of those setting, uh, based off of those questions, we can help, di- we can diagnose if your kid has ADHD or not. So like I said, it has to happen in both settings. And if your kid, depending on their age, if they're the younger kids, they have to have six or more positive signs, uh, symptoms. Um, if they're a 17 or older, five or more symptoms have to be, have to be done. And then there's a whole section on the back page of the questionnaire that actually is asking for more personality type questions. So not necessarily behavioral stuff. This is more personality, which could lead us to a whole different kind of set of diagnosis of things that we won't really get into, but it just kind of helps us separate because if you had a bunch of positive screenings on the back of that, then you're probably going to need to send our kid. We're going to need to send your kid to a specialist. And when it comes to that, um, but for the most part, if it happens on both the parents and the teachers and you have six or more symptoms, either in the section of um, inattention or in the section of hyperactivity, then we can essentially diagnose your child with ADHD. Again, like I said, I typically will refer out for specialized testing, even despite the, te- um, despite the papers and the questionnaire, just because I'd want to make sure there's nothing else that I'm missing. There's no learning disorder. There's no mathematics disorder, reading disorder um, that could also affect our child's learning. Um, But that doesn't mean that I can't go on and start treatment based off of the questionnaire. So based off of the the Vanderbilt form that you fill out, if it strongly suggests ADHD, we can go in and start working on behavioral therapies and classroom modifications and medications if the parents feel like that could be indicated as well. So, And we do have a caller on the line, so we will go to Chris. Hey, good morning, Chris. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, what's going on? Good morning. Oh, like I was explaining, I uh, as a kid, I was on, I was prescribed Ritalin, uh, 40 milligrams, three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and that was from preschool all the way up till the end of eighth grade, uh, between seventh or seventh and eighth grade, I was homeschooled by my father and I was, I was testing out in, uh, 12th grade and above in all my classes. Um, he saw that I was doing so well. He, he requested to the doctor that I be taken off my Ritalin. And um, I was put into college preparatory uh, classes in high school where I spiraled downward. Um, and now that I'm 37, 84, uh, 37 now, I'm uh, still seeing that I'm not excelling in, in, in life, you know. I, um, so my question is, uh, should I go back and talk to a doctor? or get retested to see if, if uh, possibly getting put back on medication would be beneficial? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, it, I guess it kind of depends on, I don't know what your work situation is. Um, there are some things that you can do with your work situation sometimes, uh, depending on what kind of job you do, where we can even do uh, modifications at your job, um, where we say, like, you can take frequent breaks or um, maybe, depending on what kind of um, job you do, you can have some. I drive a truck. 
Okay. Well, that probably that's one that you got to pay attention <laughs> as you're doing. <laughs> yeah, well. um, so, because I was going to say, like, there are some jobs, you know, especially now with COVID, I feel like has kind of changed the game where not everybody has to go to an office anymore. And so sometimes people are a little able to be a little bit more flexible with their job, and so you don't have to sit at a desk from eight to five anymore like you used to. But I guess driving a truck. As one that you have to be, uh, you got to stay on task. So I would suggest going to a doctor, um, depending on who you see and depending on how comfortable they feel uh, with taking care of ADHD patients. A lot of times, if people have been previously diagnosed, if you can find some of your records, your dad may still have some records where it shows that you have been tested before. Um, they'll feel comfortable going on and getting you back on ADHD medications. Um, Some may want you to see a psychiatrist, a specialist that does ADHD medicines. And most psychiatrists will go on and start you on the medications as well. But a lot of general practitioners, internal medicine, family medicine doctors will feel comfortable if you've had a prior diagnosis just to help you get back on your medication. We have a lot more medicine out there now than just Ritalin that was available probably when you were growing up in the 80s and early 90s. Um, The problem is insurance coverage. Insurance doesn't cover a lot of the medicines, unfortunately, as adults. Um, But there are a few medicines out there that they still will cover, and we can get you back on those medicines as well. So there's also a lot of, um, not a lot, but there are a couple of other medicines that we can use like off-label for ADHD, um, like some of the antidepressant medications like Welbutrin. Um, and so I've had some patients who I've actually started on Wellbutrin who may have some some overlapping anxiety and depression as well as ADHD, and they've actually responded really well to that too. So it would be good to go talk to your doctor and just let them talk through some of your symptoms that you're having, and that way they can decide what medication may be best for you. But typically, if you have a previous diagnosis – most adult physicians will still feel comfortable being able to give you medications for it. Okay, yeah, I definitely have to be looking back at Indiana records because um, I live in Alabama now. Uh, another quick question, if I may ask, um, with me having my CDL and having to uh, adhere to DOT, uh, FMLA, uh, not FMLA, um, the, the, the standards uh-huh. with having a CDL, if, if, I, if I was prescribed, a stimulant like Ritalin or, you know, I think it's uh, whatever they are, would I be able to continue with my job? Would I be able to keep driving? I think so. Now, I know that I know they have a lot of restrictions on what you can and can't take with those medications. But for the I mean, with that um, with that position. But from my understanding and my patients, I know I don't do DOT physicals, but from my understanding with some of my patients that have Um, chronic medical problems that are truck drivers as long as they are well controlled most of the time they're okay with it like I even have some that are on insulin but their diabetes is very well controlled and so therefore we say that it is okay for them to still be able to drive on those certain medications so I think you should be but again I'm not quality like I don't do the DOT physicals um, so I'm not exactly sure of all the requirements, but I would say as long as you are controlled on it, they're going to let you do it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, well, I do appreciate it. You are based out of what state? We're based out of Mississippi. This is uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much for answering the questions and the information. Yeah. Thanks, Chris, for your call. We appreciate it. 
be safe on the road. Um, we're talking about ADHD. Um, you know, in his situation, driving a truck is one that I guess you can't really get around um, being able to be a little bit more flexible. But um, I don't think my sister would mind me telling this about her. But she has been diagnosed with ADHD and has for her whole life, essentially. I mean, she got diagnosed in early elementary school. And um, she did really well as long as she, you know, she took her medication. And then what's funny is, is when she, uh, she actually has her master's in social work. She's been on the, on the radio with us before. And she's very successful and wonderful at what she does. Uh, but she, when she got her master's program, um, it was mostly writing papers. You know, it wasn't like you had to sit in a classroom anymore. You didn't have to sit for tests anymore. A lot of it was just interactive classroom activities, writing papers, and that kind of stuff. Um, And she actually didn't even need her medicine at this point because it was things that she enjoyed doing and it was able, she was able to kind of, you know, be a little bit more free with her scheduling for this. And she excelled. I think she ended up with like a 4.0 or a 3.9 with her master's program. And uh, it just kind of was like, you know, once she got into a little less stricter environment and she was able to like pull from her personality the different things to help her succeed she excelled and did wonderful and now she you know got into her job and her certain her what she does with her job is very flexible she doesn't have to sit at a desk from eight to five Um, she's able to go and see her clients and go to her different meetings throughout the day Um, and it makes her so much more successful at her position Um, when she tried to do a desk job um, it just didn't work out for her. And that's okay. It doesn't work out for everybody. Uh, and like I said, I feel like that is one good thing that has come out of this COVID pandemic um, is that we realize that you don't have to do everybody doesn't have to have a desk job eight to five. A lot of these jobs can be done from home, um, can be done a little bit more flexible and on the road and that type of thing. And um, for people who are adults with ADHD, like my sister, she has realized, like, this works well for her. She doesn't have to, you know, she is able to manage her ADHD symptoms with her job and still be able to stay focused because she's able to take frequent breaks. She's able to schedule her meetings. She's able to schedule meetings with her clients and that type of thing where she's able to be a little bit more flexible instead of being at an eight to five Monday through Friday, sit at a desk job, which doesn't work for all our patients with ADHD. So just something to think about, you know, if they're just like we do classroom modifications for our kids with giving them extra time on their test or letting them sit closer to the teacher, there's lots of things that you can do as an adult, too, at your job, potentially, depending on the situation, where maybe you can make some modifications at your job, too, to help you succeed as well. So... Um, we'll go next to Alan and Raymond. Good morning, Alan. Hi. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is kind of a hard thing to pinpoint. I kind of missed a part of the show, and I'm just wondering, did you give any symptoms? I've had a friend for years. So you, you, you can't ask your doctor, do you have HTC? I don't even know. The, <laughs> sounds a little different, but I seem to have myself... Uh, find find myself disoriented. Um, I, I, I'm gun ho on some things, 
But if I'm not gone home, I'm kind of like diddle dialing a little bit. Maybe like in the morning, like. <laughs> yes. Like, so maybe. S- <laughs> yeah, I mean. That's why I'm tired. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have an appointment, so I'm like, mm, not, not, not rushing. I don't know, like when I go donate for appointments, I get the early appointments. So I got to be up early and get out. Yeah, so typically as adults with ADHD, we think about, like, inattentive more than hyperactive. Uh, Hyperactive typically is more in our kids. Um, But it would be things of, like, not being able to stay focused, not being able to complete your task. Um, So, you know, if you have a list of things that you have to do for the day, you may only get to a couple of them because you got so distracted and you weren't able to finish your list. Um, losing things, that's another thing that we see a lot with inattention because they do, people just can't stay focused. And so they typically will lose a lot of things. Um, and then just uh, all forget stuff, you know, like things that you were supposed to be doing for the day. And, you know, you even if you have a list, sometimes you forget because you have gotten so distracted and um, easily, easily distracted that you may not be able to finish all your tasks. So those are typically some of the things that we would see as adults um, with inattentive ADHD. Well, you just, you just described me to a T. Yeah. <laughs> well, Unfortunately. yeah. And I mean, if that's the case, it may be something that you want to go, especially if it's starting to interfere with your life, you know, with your, with your daily life at home and also at your job, you probably want to go talk to your doctor about that and, and get checked out and see if maybe you need to see a specialist about it. Um, well, I asked the doctor one time. You just got looked at now. Nah, you don't have anything. But yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if they really pay attention to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it may be that you need to go see a specialist because, uh, you know, some of the family medicine and internal medicine doctors, you know, we don't always treat that as much in adults. And especially if you've never had a diagnosis before, they may want you to see a specialist to help diagnose it before they start you on any medication or any treatment for it. Hmm. All right. I guess I can do that. Usually it just sends me automatically. Oh, you, 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 something with your foot? No. Something in your knee? No. Something with your shoulder? No. Something with your neck? No. Go. It seems like they just do general stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it may be something that you may need to make an appointment to specifically talk to the doctor about. And maybe if you have that already written down that this is the only thing you want to talk about, they can focus on that a little bit more. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for your call. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We have been talking about ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. So in the last little bit, I want to talk about, we've we've kind of focused a lot on like what to look for and how we diagnose it. Um, now we can talk a little bit about how we treat it, because uh, I feel like this is where it gets a little sticky, and this is where parents get a little hesitant to diagno- have their kids diagnosed with ADHD, um, or at, even... Even as an adult, you know, we have had a couple of callers talk about them being diagnosed as an adult may not necessarily want to take the medication um, and just kind of the stigma that goes around with that of putting your child on a medicine. 
Now, you don't have to start with a medicine, um, and that's what I always try to tell parents. We don't necessarily, depending on the severity, you know, um, we don't always have to start with the medicine. There's lots of different things that we can do to help your child overcome some of these symptoms, um, particularly behavioral therapy. That's one big thing. The only problem is, is we just don't have a lot of behavioral therapists out there. But there's a lot of things that you can do um, as a parent that your, t- your children's teachers can do with some modifications. Um, some positive reinforcement, rewarding our kids. Um, when they do good things and complimenting them, kids respond so much better to positive reinforcement than they do negative reinforcement. Um, you know, timeouts work really well too. Having things taken away sometimes can work for our children. But again, positive reinforcement is probably going to be one of the bigger things. And then just some of the modifications that we can do in the classrooms, giving them extra time, letting them sit closer to the teacher. Those are all different things that we can do in the classroom to help our kids succeed without ever even having to start a medication. Um, we're going to go to Meredith, who is in seminary. Good morning, Meredith. What's going on? Good morning. I have a 10-year-old grandson who has been diagnosed by his pediatrician with ADHD, and she has tried him on several medications. And the one he's on currently, he has headaches frequently. He does better in school, even though sometimes the teachers uh, seem to get aggravated, I guess you would say, and one of them even told him he needed help, but um, he has not been to a specialist for this, but it seems to make him depressed, whiny, and it gives him headaches frequently. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some kind of inspiration as to what to do to help him without the headaches and not eating and yeah so unfortunately that can be some of the side effects of these medicines um there's some other medications that he could potentially try like some non-stimulant i'm assuming he's on a stimulant medicine which is the symptoms that you're saying um but but there are some non-stimulant medications too that we can do um that could sometimes replace the stimulant medicines or sometimes can be used um as like adjuvant therapy and can kind of balance out some of those symptoms too. Um, so that would be one thing that I would first look into is does he have to be on a stimulant medication? Could we try a different kind of medicine, um, a non-stimulant medicine, either in addition to it or replacing the medicine that he's he's on right now? Um, and then the other thing would be trying to get into an actual psychiatrist or a developmental pediatrician, somebody that has a little bit you know more experience than, and more training than just what, I mean, admittedly, as a general pediatrician, we don't have as much training as these other doctors do with treating ADHD if going down the non-stimulant route does not work. Um, But unfortunately, headaches, depressed um, appetite, those kind of things are all common with those stimulant medicines, unfortunately. So balancing it out with a non-stimulant sometimes can help. Um, And then we'll go to Jackie really fast. Oh, sorry, Jackie, never mind. We ran out of time. I didn't realize we only have 30 seconds left, so I apologize. But, Jackie, if you can send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org, we can get your answer, um, your question answered. But thank you, everybody, for your calls. Um, If you have any questions, if we didn't get to it, please send us an email, and we'd be happy to get back to you. But this has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and is funded in part by a grant from the the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. 
Today's show was engineered by Jay White. Our call screener was Charles Arnold. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.